This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. We are deep into our stay-at-home directives in each respective state. In this episode, we take a little break and chat with one of the main photographers for Nordic Focus, which is a photo agency based in Europe. And as the name suggests, they focus on Nordic sport. Faster Skier licensed those photos from the World Cups for use on our website. We wanted to touch base with Federico Modica, who is based in northern Italy and at the time of our chat in late March, was still quarantined at his home. It's a wide-ranging interview, and we talk a little bit about his career, a little bit about shooting specific athletes, and what he carries in his photo bag for shooting World Cups and more adventure-based expeditions. You can follow him on Instagram as Modica Visual, and he has a website, www.federicomodica.com. Yeah, well, my name is uh, Federico Modica, and I'm an Italian guy. I was born in the Dolomites. Uh, that is in north of Italy, very close to the border with um, Austria. And uh, yeah, basically I'm a photographer, a sport photographer and adventure photographer. It depends from the season. And since uh, four or five years, I also added some video skills in or what I do. So basically, I'm producing and sometimes directing uh, documentaries. This is more in summer, of course, because in winter, I work with an agency named the Nordic Focus. And this is, let's say, the official agency of uh, FIS and IBU. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go a lot. I uh, got a lot of questions to ask about that. So you're where are yeah. you right now? Are you in northern northern Italy? Where do you live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was in Quebec City waiting for the um, World, Cup, yeah. World Cup finals, and then I had to take a plane to to come back home because we we are now in uh, quarantine. So, yeah, now I'm I'm home since uh, now it's uh, twelve days. You're in your self quarantine for of the fourteen days. Is that right? After coming home from Quebec? Yeah, exactly. I I, I came back twelve days ago, and uh, then I couldn't move because we are really stopped at home. And seeing the, the the situation right now, I don't even want to move. Where Where do you actually? What's the town you live in in Italy? The town. Uh, the name of the town is Predazzo. And the place is, uh, the, the area is Val di Fiemme, oh. so quite uh, famous for cross country. Gotcha. That doesn't sound so bad. But um, like in a place like Val di Fiemme, you know, that we would think it's super remote. And I know, I remember reading a story, gosh, maybe five weeks ago, uh, written by an American writer whose wife is Italian and they live somewhere in the, in the mountain country. And even then, they were talking about just the social distancing and how stressful it was. What What is the situation like right now? You obviously are coming back from Quebec and we're self-quarantined, but is it essentially like a lockdown? Oh, yeah, we are totally locked down right now. Totally. I mean, uh, uh, we... Um we can go out from home, but we need to have a document and we can 
go out only for some special reasons like uh, um, Earth or until yesterday it was also for job. Now they also closed a lot of companies and only few few companies can uh, can still work so um, and of course to buy food and this kind of of stuff but we uh, the recommendation is to buy food once a week of course because we we have a lot of um, uh, sick people around all all Italy especially in my area it's not one of the biggest area for coronavirus the problem is that we have a lot 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 of tourists so we had a lot of um, uh, problems about that because uh, th- those tourists brought this vir- virus also here so um, right now the number of cases is quite big so that's why i say i'm even happy not to move so much right now so we know you from, and, and I'm assuming like faster skier readers know you, or at least know the agency you work with. Nordic Focus is kind of the go-to for photographs, in particular, you know, World Cup photographs for, and I got to get this right here, cross-country skiing, Bathlon, Nordic Combined, and the Visma Marathons. Yeah, and ski jumping, but not that much. Oh yeah, that's right, ski jumping. Yeah. And in all honesty, like the photographs oftentimes like bring a race to life. There's one thing about watching a video, which is obviously great. And sometimes it's hard to find that stuff in the US, but the shots are amazing and they help kind of illustrate. Uh, you know, if I write a sentence and I'm describing like the Holman mm-hmm. Cohen this year, right? I log on into your catalog and boom, there's like this great picture of dense fog of the men's race on a Sunday with these like cross country figures coming out. So it really helps Mm -hmm. illustrate a point. But that said, you're young. How, How long have you been shooting and how did you get involved with sort of like combining photography with outdoor sport? Uh, Yeah, well, let's say... Talking about cross country, talking about ski jumping, and talking about Nordic combined. I've been really, really lucky um, because I was born in Val di Fiemme, and Val di Fiemme is right now one of the few, um, how to say, uh, uh, capitals of skiing because we. We had three times the world champ. We have every year the finals of Tour de Ski. We have um, the Nordic Combined World Cup. We have the Ski Jumping World Cup. So this place is really important for the ski. Um, and so if you are a photographer here, for sure, at least once in your life, you take picture about Ski Jumping, Nordic Combined or Cross Country. And in my case, What's happened when I decided to be a photographer? I started working with the organizing committee of um, FIEMA 2013, so the the latest world champ. And that's it. Basically, I started with them, and I made a lot, lot, lot of picture and uh, exercise on this kind of picture uh, until the world champ 2013, and then. The, the other thing is that I was in the right place in the right time because when uh, Nordic Focus needed a new photographer, the real problem for agency is that um, 
people from our job, so let's say photojournalist, not a normal photographer, because, you know, to be photojournalist, you need to have some other skills, uh, not only knowing how to use a camera. So um, it's harder for an agency to find a photojournalist because you all the good photojournalists are already um, engaged with some agency and the other maybe they are not the fastest they are not um, uh, peculiar or something like that so i really was in the in the time where i really didn't have any agency but i had um, very good people around me that teach me the job and how to do it fast and in the way an agency wants so i was quite um, yeah, quite in the in the right time when Nordic Focus need, uh, needed a photographer. And so they contacted me to, to make some tests. I guess here in the U.S., or when I you know think of my photographer friends who work in kind of outdoor adventure stuff, they call it, you know, it's their workflow. It's all about kind of planning the photo, executing the photo, moving fast. I'm thinking of like if I'm skiing, backcountry skiing with friends, like, they're incredibly fit. They're able to kind of go off on a side spur, take a shot and come back and rejoin with the group. I assume it's, it's pretty similar, you know, say at a world cup venue, you need to know where to get your shots, potentially who to shoot. And then at the end, you know, the conclusion of the race, you have to file. What is the work? flow like for you on like a typical world cup day um yeah uh, well the the base the real base that of course starts from your mind before um, passing to cameras and computer is that your client wants your clients wants to have the picture as fast as possible at least the important picture so the very 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 first thing is that you have to be really confident which with uh, each client so you know what to send because of course if you know what to send you can send 10 picture and you are fine after this 10 picture for sure you have half an hour to edit 50 picture and then you have one hour to have edit 100 picture and so on until you finish the job so basically uh, this is only a small part that comes from the experience you do so it's not something you do every day it's something you learn day by day year by year or season by season um, what I do every day or at least my my World Cup starts uh, the day before because in the evening I get the start list from the um, the race of the day after and what I do is I create a list with this uh, start list. I create a text file um, for who is used to work in photography. They will know this word that is uh, code replacement. This means that to be faster and edit faster the picture, I don't need to write um, Jessica Diggins from USA. I just need to put the, the bib and then so let's say number one, I type one, and then it fills with all the information I put in this file. So that's how we can be really, really fast. Because in my file, in my file I have um, name and surname of the athlete. Then I have 
the um, nationality and after that i have some really important keywords that are the brands that the athlete is using because since nordic focus is not really working a lot with newspapers but we work more with industries it's important for us that each company can sort their picture really fastly so for example i'm the guy from svix i can type svix if i want to see only the athlete competing with Zvix, or I can write Zvix, uh, comma, um, uh, Holmen Kollen, and then I can sort all the athletes using Zvix that was competing in Holmen Kollen. So if I have to write every athlete, this thing, this will take me years, <laughs> probably the full season. Right, right. From Rook, I will finish in, uh, don't know, in Kenmore. <laughs> so, you know, this is quite hard. And in, with this code replacement, so this is the the day before. Then, of course, in the morning, I go a couple of hours before in the stadium. If I never seen this course, that now for me it's quite hard because I know every course. But uh, if I if I'm in a new stadium, I try to walk around and check uh, the the best position. If I already know the stadium, maybe I try to check a new position for some more artistic stuff, or then I just check that my computer is working well. I prepare all my um, working stuff and then one hour before the race, I go out. And for us, it's really, really important to have a lot of training. So um, it's very important two hours before the race or one and a half hour before the race to be out with the athlete and with the industries so you can have these emotional peaks like the athlete is choosing the skis is uh, talking with the coaches talking with the, the the partners all this kind of stuff and then going to race we make the picture of the race so this is easy easy stuff let's say if you are fit and you want to run, you try to make more position. If not, you get one position. Then a long race is really different. Um, uh, a sprint has a kind of work workflow and a long race has another kind of workflow. And finally, in the finish line, we, we send live some pictures so the winner and our main clients on a database where they can download it and already use it on um, on Instagram. So let's say uh, probably five seconds after the winner is passing the finish line, the client already have two or three pictures. And then we go we go inside, put the card in the computer, work and send. Do you, this code, I'm just curious, like because I I am off. I I know that it's relatively automated when I go and log in on the back end of the Nordic combined uh, Nordic mm -hmm. focus site, you know, the, the, the photos are already tagged with athlete location, uh, you know, date. Um, I'm just kind of curious for my own benefit here. Like when you're doing your code replacement, is that in a special spreadsheet that you have, or is that like a commercial spreadsheet that, is involved with like Adobe Lightroom or some other photo processing software that you use? The, um, the code replacement sheet that we use is really uh, complicated because um, the first thing is that we have to make, uh, you know, the, the start list normally has the surname in capital letters 
and the name um, written normally. So it has to change this one. We have to change uh, the special character, the, the, the special um, letters, like the Norwegian letters, the, 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 the German letters and that. So we, we have um, a full Excel file that is composed by really several, several steps. But now it's all automated. I only have to copy and paste the start list and then I have a full automation. Then another thing that makes my personal job, but this is something that not everybody can do, of course, is that uh, I rarely work with a bib number because, of course, when you work in the World Cup, you know every athlete. And, for example, when they go downhill position, you cannot really see the bib or, uh, I don't know, in training, they don't have a bib. So... In my case, I, I have a second code replacement that is composed by the first two letters of the name and the first two letters of the surname. And this is, for me, is the best thing because I really don't need to have a bib. I just watch the... Um, I see the face and I say, okay, this is, uh, I don't know, uh, Johannes Klebo, this is uh, Johaug, this is Dickens. What's your favorite venue to shoot? My favorite venue, you know, I have to think about because um, I would say, maybe I can say a couple of venues. One venue is Quebec City. That's because 99% of the competition are in the forest. And this is in a, an amazing city. It's an old city. So you have really nice building that you can play around. But this is not really let's say it's unusual so that's why i like it it's because it's really unusual to have a race in the city um another but it's also yeah just uh, about quebec also like the plains of abraham you know like the big open the open shots there uh by like the fort i think i have yeah. that correct like is it is it difficult to frame photos when it's wide open like that and sort of isolate kind of the action or does it make it a little easier it's uh, totally really difficult i mean you know if you're in the forest let's say you can shoot anything and it will come really better but when you're in the city that's really a challenge because you really really have to to check the right frame because everything can happen you know you you have a white building and the sweets is coming, then it's not working. So this is, you really have to have in mind to make a, a great picture. You have to have in mind a lot of things like color of the athlete, how the athlete are moving, how the athlete are skiing. Uh, how do they, sometimes how do they cut a, a turn? It's also a really, really important thing. So um, yeah, it, it's really complicated. That's why I feel really lucky because my job is f uh, covering the uh, cross country world cup so i know how the athletes are skiing so i uh, really understand some colleague and that's why i really like to help them because a lot of colleagues that are photojournalists and they work for big agency they are used to cover less of one sport but more of different sports so yes they, they are like in the Olympics, if I think the Olympics, I was leaving, right. I was leaving in the cross country venues from the morning till the night. I was in the cross country venue. I knew every corner. And then I have colleagues for really big agency like, like Getty, like Reuters, that they were moving. And so in some 
sometimes I say, wow, they are lucky because they can try a lot of sports. And then I say, yes, but I'm lucky because I know all the athletes, how they move and all this stuff. So for me now, it's really easy to work. And what are some other venues, you know, so you mentioned Quebec City. What are some other venues you really like? This year I was in uh, in Antols for the Biathlon World Champ and Antols, I think, is one of the most amazing venue. But this is not because of Antols, it's how the, the slopes are are there so yeah it's uh, of course a casual thing it's not something that uh, another place can simu- simulate or emulate because it's uh, this is really how the valley is uh, is made so the, the the course you have a lot lot of really nice places and let me think because i would say for the atmosphere, Holman Collen, not this year, of course, but normally Holman Collen is, <laughs> is really the best place because it's full of people. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think, but I've been in so many places that <laughs> I should go, I, you know, I should go on the database and remember which place I saw. <laughs> you know, on the opposite side of that, What's a venue that's difficult to shoot? Whether it whether it's like it's a sprint venue where you have to move quickly and you don't have that many opportunities to capture action, or it's just not that aesthetically pleasing. I would say my home stadium Val di Fiemme for me it's really, really, really a nightmare. Really, it it has it has always been accepted during the world champ because in world champ there was so much spectators that you can really play a lot but now during the world the world cup um for example uh, final climb it's a pity that there is no time to move so you have to choose or you are in the um, on the field field of play or you stay in the finish line and of course finish line is too important because it's a final so you you cannot you cannot move and this is a pity because you would like to make picture of this uh, athlete taking a really really hard uh, uphill and effort and the second thing is the stadium in Val di Fiemme uh, same as i said same as i i told you about Antols the stadium of Val di Fiemme has nothing wrong but i think it's just uh, unlucky because uh, it's really, really hard to find good angles to make a clean shot and that. So for me, it's strange to say and a pity to say, but the home stadium is one of the most um, challenging and difficult. So like, for example, on that final climb in Val de Femme for the Tour de Ski, which has been around for a while now, you're not provided some sort of, you know, snow machine or a lift. I, I mean... You have to essentially stay at the at the at the finish line, or maybe move down a couple hundred meters in capture some shots and run back up. Like, how does that work for you? You just positioned in one spot. Yeah, but the big problem, and this is the same problem in Visma. The big problem is that, yeah, of course the the course is not big, but the second thing is that television always have the priority. Right. So, of course, uh, I, I cannot disturb the cameras with a skidoo and doing what I want. So, basically, no, it's it's uh, really impossible to have a skidoo. This is the same in, uh, in in Visma. You have to take a car and move via move by car because, uh, yeah, television has skidoos and that. But I'm even happier with this thing because uh, I had the possibility to watch in television a couple of Visma um, 
races and the skidoo was so close that I was thinking because, you know, I'm also a former athlete, but now I'm doing a lot of competition that I always think if I would ski with a, or run with a skidoo so close to me, I would really be so nervous and disturbed. So, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm happy that I'm not the guy on the skidoo. <laughs> From a an equipment standpoint, uh, and I know that like you know people who like to geek out on photography, they, oftentimes they have you know it's Nikon, it's Canon, Sony has come on strong with the mirrorless setup. You know, I'm kind of curious, like what what out what what's your brand, and then shooting your typical race, what's your lens bag look like, and your cam, you know, just essentially what's your camera bag look like, and and what are you shooting with. Yeah, uh, so, well, basically, for a traveler like me or like my colleague in Nordic Focus, the bag is never the same because it also depends on what we are carrying around. And, uh, of course, now that I know basically all the stadiums, I can already decide what to leave home uh, to to, to save save place or save weight. Um, Basically, my brand is Canon. But it's just because when I was really young and I started photography, I started with Canon and uh, I'm, I've always been satisfied from the camera, the quality, the service. So yeah, no need to change. Sometimes I I wanted to change with um, with Sony just because it's smaller, but it's not really for the World Cup. Uh, it was for my adventure stuff, you know, to to pack it lighter and smaller. But right now, when I think about this this year, uh, you, you saw the picture in um, in Planitza, for example. It was full, full, full of rain, and I think water is hitting my camera. I know that with Canon, with this big camera, really expensive cameras, I can forget a rain cover, and I'm sure that I can still work with the camera, and it's not gonna break. And I'm sure that this is not the same with the mirrorless because my colleagues that has mirrorless always have problem of water and this kind of stuff. So yes, maybe I prefer to be a little to have a little bit more weight, but at least uh, I know that I can uh, work. And um, about the choice, normally um, I travel with two to three bodies. So my my dream is to travel every time with three bodies then I have to see when I can really have so much weight in the backpack. Uh, because, for example, in Finland, I always have problem troubles with, um, with uh, airline companies. So when I go to Finland, I try not to bring uh, uh, three bodies, but two and that. So I have a long lens, like 400 millimeters. Then I have a medium teles, so like uh, 70, 200 I used to carry the the basic stuff is this tele, a small tele, um, medium like 2470, and a wide angle. I have a 12 uh, 24. This is because uh, in ski jumping, 12 millimeters is uh, very useful to have. Okay. So my lens is a 12 uh, 12 24, and yeah. And then I was saying uh, for my really personal pleasure, I try to carry. Uh, two prime lenses because I have three but uh, of course I I don't have so much place so I choose randomly or depends from the stadium so for example in um, in Antols I had a a 135 f1.8 
and this was every day. I, I never detached it from one of the cameras. Oh, interesting. And just so people and know, then I have a, yeah, go uh, ahead. You finish your... Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. And then I have a 24 F1.2, F, uh, uh, I think. Um, and I'm also carrying this one because I love this lens, especially in training, because you can play so much with the blur and blur. And sometimes I choose the um, 50 millimeter. This is a classical, really classical lens for photographers. And just so people know, like a prime lens lacks a zoom function and they tend to be, and I'll have you describe this, but I think they just tend to be like quote, faster lenses. When you say F one point, whatever, it means that it can shoot in a little bit, uh, just better and keep a faster shutter speed in lower light situations. Is that sort of the general premise behind a, a fixed lens or a prime lens? Yeah, no, normally, let's say normally, if you go to, um, if you listen a photography course, they would say, take a prime lens with um, uh, a very fast lens, like I uh, say 1.8 or 1.4, so a very small number because you can work better in low light. In my case, I use prime lenses because of the, the, the blur, the different kind of blur and the different kind of sharpness that they have because uh, prime lenses are very sharp and they can blur the background really, really uh, a lot. And so you can play so much with the uh, object in the foregrounds or object in the backgrounds and you can melt them into, let's say, shape or colors or lights. So you can have really, really much more fun. I know that you ski, you shoot a lot of ski mountaineering or backcountry skiing. In that particular case where you don't want to be cruising around with, you know, 30 pounds of heavy gear, what are you taking with you? Same thing. It really, really depends on a lot of situation. I mean, you know, when you are a photographer, you spend your life uh, uh, chasing the best picture. So in my mind, uh, I don't care about having a bit bigger backpack. I know that if I'm out skiing with my friend, I don't bring photos, photo gear. And if I'm out um, for really uh, chasing the picture, I don't care if I will ski really badly because I have a very, um, very heavy back, uh, backpack. So um, it really depends on how long should I stay out. Uh, and this, I, I did a project. It was, um, it was a ski mountaineering project uh, about three days. We did uh, 60 kilometers. And uh, to be honest, okay, I had only one, uh, one body, but I had all my lenses. So really, for me, for me, it depends. I mean, I'm not scared. I'm not scared to, as um, uh, you say, to, to carry heavy because now I'm 30, so I can still do it. Maybe in 10 years, I will think more about that. Normally, but normally, if I have to make a choice, it's uh, zoom lenses. So 24 to 70. So this goes from a wide angle to a medium tele and 70 to 200. If I have to stay really light is this one. All right. And so like a beefy, I don't know, what is it? A 1D? Like what's your camera body that you're bringing on something like that? I have a one. If it's a fast port, like a free riding, it's a 1DX Mark II, or now there is the new Mark III coming out. Or 
if I'm doing a commercial stuff and the sport is not so fast, like uh, climbing, like expedition, like mountaineering, I go with the 5D just because it has more megapixels. Okay, so uh, like specific athletes, okay? Who is, um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that it's an ongoing joke, but it's hard sometimes to find specifically great shots of Evo Niskanen. He just, <laughs> he tends to have, yeah, right. I don't know if it's like, um, Come on, yeah, it's right. funny. I mean, it's just sort of like, we're always like, okay, here's a, here's a classic Evo shot. He either has a lot of slobber yeah. coming out or just he's in yeah. the moment and has a distressed look, but who's like a pretty difficult athlete to shoot? You mean during a race or you mean, uh, in other situations? Well, yeah, let's talk like ski, cross country skiing. Either during a race or like just doesn't like to be shot. It, it, it changed because during during the race, the only problem is the faces that athletes are doing and the move. Because of course, the the, the ski technique is not the same, and for sure there there are athletes that has um. I cannot say worst technique because maybe for cross country skiing, if they especially if they are winners, it's not a worst technique. But maybe for us, as a photographer, it could be a little bit uh, less, uh, let's say, nice. Um, I would say now I'm in Nordic Focus website. I'm checking. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm checking the, 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 yeah. the database because I think. Uh, um, like uh, Ebba Anderson in um, uh, in uh, free technique is not really the the best of the, the 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 ladies to take, but it's it's just this is just a visual thing, of course, and like right because she's still yeah, but like fast. you know who, who also just just because you you are from USA, I think also Jesse Diggins. Yeah, I'm gonna bring, okay. I think she she the, the style. I mean the. The, the style in some moves, not not all the moves. Like when when she's pushing for uphill, uh, it's uh, all the pictures are really nice. And when she's pushing in a flat part, is not uh, in my case is not the best uh, best picture. But as I told you, is always a, um, it's only a visual thing. That is interesting, right? That you have sort of this idea of like what good beautiful technique might look like, right? Yeah, but it's a, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe it's not, uh, not it's not beautiful technique. Uh, talking about uh, skiing technique, but uh, picture technique. Okay, how many? So, like, I, I'm in the database right now. So, say, and I'm I'm assuming that you're uploading what you consider to be the kind of the choice yeah. photographs. Yeah. Right. How many? How many photographs are you discarding? How many might you shoot over the course of, say, you know? A 5K or 10K interval start or a mass start? Boy, you know, I, I because you, your question is uh, really curious and I notice something. I, I don't check every day how many pictures I shoot, but I notice that it, um, it can be a 50K, it can be a sprint, it can be a 5K, uh, 10K. I always have around the same number of pictures, so that's really strange. But it's uh, let's say oh, let's say okay. it's around um, it's around uh, three thousand pictures. Let's say this is the average. Then Please. yeah, yeah. Now I look. I have here my backup of the season. It's here with me, so I can also check. But it's uh, around because uh, I look at like yeah, it's around uh, 
2000, but then I'm so used to, to, to choose the pitcher and to make the selection that finally the, the pitcher we send, it's around, I think, 200 per race. Look, I have, I have here, for example, Connerud. Connerud, I have um, 176. Ah, no, this is the training. This is the. But in, during the training in Connerud, so the day before the race was 177. During the race is uh, 100 plus uh, 18. It's okay. Plus 14 plus 26. So let's say around 150 plus. Uh, plus uh, 219 so i sent uh, 300 to 400 pictures so normally this is the the average um that's how many you're sending but you're calling you're you're filtering that down through like say 3000 yeah okay yeah yeah sometimes i filter directly from the camera when i'm out oh gotcha so for example during uh during sprint prologue that i only stay in the um, in the same place waiting uh, athlete by athlete because you cannot move during a prologue during qualification so i just uh, between one athlete and the other i already put um, a, a star on the pitcher i want to save so then much easier also ski jumping in ski jumping we are amazingly fast for that because we sort all the pitchers from the camera we go inside and in less than half an hour you have more than 100 pictures on the web on the database anybody um who just does not like having their photo taken at all ah okay it's like do not approach me <laughs> no no it's not like that i mean because you know world cup is a professional um environment so athletes they can be happy or not happy. They know that this is the job, especially with me, because they know they see me every race. So they know who I am and they know, especially if I ask to do a picture, because I don't go every race to say, hey, please come here. We make a portrait, blah, blah, blah. But they know that sometimes I can ask. And when I ask is not because I want to sell more because it's not like that. It's because maybe I have an idea for Fisher, for Sphix, for Salomon. And so they know that if I'm asking, but then with the time and spending a lot of time with athletes, you know who you can ask more, you know who can ask less, because maybe it depends, you know, if the race is bad, you cannot, for in my opinion, you cannot go to an athlete and say, let's do this, this and that. I mean, they had a bad race. It's like uh, if I do, if I lose the pitcher in my memory card, because basically racing here is their job. So if I lose the pitcher in my memory card right after the race, I would not have uh, somebody to come. Hey, Federico, let's go out for a beer. Let's go. We have a dinner. Uh, smile why you are so pissed and blah, 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 you know. So it's the same. My, my idea is the same for athletes. If they have a bad race, of course, they don't want me to go there one centimeter and take the pitcher. Uh, but basically, I, I, I never experienced it really an athlete coming there and say no don't take picture about me and all this stuff but this is also because me i always try to be as much ghost as i can you know how do you balance 
a sport where, I mean, it, it's a sport probably like many sports that focuses on the top three, right? It's like, here are the people that won and only one person can win or one team wins if it's a relay and, you know, they're second and third place. So the sport, you know, when you're thinking of a field of 50 skiers is mostly people like who are perhaps disappointed with their performance. How do you capture tastefully the disappointment in the sport? You know, the people who are not having the season they wanted or the race they they wanted. Yeah, so uh, to answer this, I make a step back. But I think this can be interesting to who will uh, listen to these uh, words. Because as I told you, I always try to be a ghost and I always try to be 200% respectful of athletes, especially because I have to be with them all the season so I cannot go there and make enemies. So, for example, one, <laughs> one day it happens, um, an athlete had a really bad day and she was crying and I didn't take picture of that. Then it happens a second time, but this time was an Italian athlete. So, of course, I have a little bit more um, of chats and this with the, the, the Italians. And she was uh, crying and I didn't take the picture. And I get a message on Facebook like, hey, uh, why you didn't take picture of me in the finish line? I said, uh, you know, uh, you are crying and I think it's quite respectful if I don't take it. And she said, no, I think for us as athletes, it's really important to, to see all of our emotion because they tell the story. And so I say, ah, okay. So this really changed my mind on how I see this thing. So right now, because it happens like three seasons ago, and right now I'm really, um, I see this thing in a really this different eyes. So that's, that's the thing. But then sometimes, right. you know, for example, in podium, you can really, you, you cannot do anything. You can also try to, to shout a smile or something like that. They will not do if they don't want to smile, they don't smile. And that's it. So sometimes you, you just go away, you complain with yourself a little bit like, yeah, it's always so boring and that, but you cannot really do anything about that. One last question here is that, the jumping podium <laughs> shot, right? It's like, okay, every, okay, everybody, jump. Uh, when did that come? When did that become fashionable? And and it seems like the women do that are asked to do that more than the men. I don't know. I just like I rarely see a jumping shot <laughs> of guys, except maybe recently at the end of the season. I think there was a jumping podium shot for the guys, but I, but you are telling, you are asking me this because of the all the complaining and stuff that happens, or no? That's <laughs> funny. Like the the one the complaining I saw was yeah. one, one on our it was on our Facebook page. Okay, I okay. think I think I posted. You know, like anyway, I actually thought it was a really good shot. And I forget who it was. It was towards the end of the season where two of the athletes jumped and maybe okay. one didn't. Ah, but uh, this is, uh, I think you, you are referring about a podium, uh, a top three picture with, uh, also Salomon posted it where, uh, like, um, 
like uh, digging at a different timing. So two athletes are oh, jumping yeah, yeah. and she's just yeah. uh, pushing right. and that. But this was a really a funny, funny feature. It's uh, yeah, I thought it was a good but, shot. But I think someone commented like, "Why don't you ask guys to jump?" Ah, yeah, no, no. But it's not like that. You know, there is a lot, lot, lot of misunderstanding about this situation, and that's why uh, in Scandinavia they are making. It's already the second season that they make article about uh, this thing that uh, um, FIS ask ladies to jump and men not to jump. But uh, there's, this, is, oh, this is a really, really big misunderstanding because the story is totally different. And if we have time, I would like to, to tell it because yeah, what's it's, the story? it's a, a backstage of our job. So what's happened is, for example, in the, in the last season, uh, we saw a lot of competition with three Norwegian girls on the podium. It was Bjorgen, it was uh, Osberg, it was Veng, for example. So, because they know it, um, themselves very well, and they are also friends, and they are part, um, part of the same team. So, they were talking about, ah, okay, we jump, we are happy, blah, 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 and they jumped. So, they do it one, two, three times, and so... Then sometimes photographers ask them to do it and sometimes they did it. It's a rare that men do something like that. I can say uh, Alex Harvey was having really a lot of fun when he, he was winning. So he also uh, acted in some way, you know, like, um, I don't know, playing the guitar with the skis or this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, right. With men is simply rare. It's not something, it's not a FIS, it's not photographer, it's really something that that uh, that happens in the field because you know they are athletes but they are also young guys young girls so they like to have fun but as as in the as with me and my friend it's not everybody that want to have fun in the same way so the thing is also in the in the race it's happened we we take a picture of what happened in front of our eyes but uh, it's really difficult you you have to imagine because people think that you ask the athlete to jump and they jump you have to think that we are 60 photographer uh screaming and shouting because we want athlete to look at us and not the other so uh, how can uh, athlete uh, listen to people that say jump or do this or do that so mm, we all would love to have athletes doing something funny because our pictures are funnier but in my case it's also because i like to to leave this moment there because if not it's uh, boring you know finish line uh, not happiness uh, top three not happiness uh, going in the press center download the cards and you know it's boring when you when you really see and feel that the athlete is enjoying the moment because it's a great moment, like for example, I, I like uh, Johaug because even if she's winning all the race, at least she is uh, like you see that she's uh, enjoying this moment. So it's very nice to take the picture. It's really emotional, but it's a, a lot of time. It's not like. Uh, national championship with two photographers that you can say hey let's do this this and that i mean it's world cup so there are procedure uh bolshinov is a young guy he seems to be and again i know that like the common people assume like oh the russians don't speak english but i've heard that you know i've heard several of them speak english on a side conversation at a press conference but that said 
Do you feel like, you know, from shooting Bolshinov and, and this year in particular, he had an incredibly successful season. Do you see joy from him when he wins? Or is it more just like he's, you know, he's super clinical and he's just destroying the field kind of thing? Uh, no, not for real. I have to say that uh, Bolshinov is a really, a really nice guy. I mean, he likes to smile. He likes to make stupid thing if uh, if he is asked to do like in Pichar or that. Of course, he we have to say he's Russian. Um, so I'm pretty sure, for example, in my case, if I could speak Russian, I could have a ton of really nice shot with him. The real problem is that to make uh, each other understand, even because big athlete like him they don't give you a lot of time to shoot. So if you start talking, don't understand this. And so sometimes you just say, okay, the pitcher is good like this. But uh, if you can, for example, with Bolshunov, uh, I'm in a good relation with the service guy of Rossignol. So if I can go to them and say, hey, tell him to do this, so I have the time to prepare for the pitcher and they have the time to explain him how, what to do or that, then it's really working perfectly. And you see that he likes to smile to make this, uh, this thing. He's really a good athlete for that. The real problem, the real limit is the, the, the language. So anything I yeah. didn't ask you that you wanted, you wanted to, anything that you want to address or anything I didn't ask you, I should have asked. I don't know. I think we... We spoke a lot and we, I think we touched a lot of really interesting things. So yeah, not really, I have no ideas. I don't know if you have still. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. And it's nice connecting with you again and be safe out there. Yeah, sure. You too. You too. And thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode and we hope everyone is doing well out there.